This podcast includes information provided by the issuer and does not express the views of the interviewer. This podcast may also include forward-looking statements by the issuer that involve certain risks and uncertainties to its business. Because forward-looking statements are subject to risks and uncertainties, the issuer's actual results could differ from those indicated in this podcast. Welcome to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft, and thank you all so much for the support and for tuning in. Now, I haven't done these openings in a while, and you know what? I, I felt it was best that I, I start going back to these because I really, I really love giving you context for each of the interviews that we have uh, coming up very, very shortly here. So uh, just a quick reminder, you can follow Planet Microcap on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. You're listening to episode 134. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to tweet at me or shoot me an email at rcraft at snnwire.com. And when you do get a chance, if you like what you hear, please rate and review Planet Microcap on iTunes. It really helps provide feedback for me and spread the microcap message. Go go on there. Go on that Apple. Go give me give me some uh, let's get some more reviews out there. I love seeing the feedback. And even if it's a one, I don't care. Go on there. It's all good. Um, now, since it's been a while, I, I, there's a bit of housekeeping that I wanted to get out of the way very quickly. So first things first, I'd like to thank everybody who's listening, who tuned in and participated in our virtual event that we had last week, the SNN Network Virtual Conference. Um, it's it's a lot of work putting these things on. And I just hope that uh, if, if you did participate and tune in, that you were able to get something out of it. You know, we, we had some really incredible keynotes panels as well as presenting companies that uh, participated as well and so you'll actually be able to uh, listen to all, all get all the replays of everything that happened last week on our youtube channel at youtube.com slash snnwire the webcasts aren't up there just yet but they will be up there within the next week or so so go on there now and you'll be able to listen to all the keynotes and panels and and if you were there live last week thank you so much and uh yeah thank you for listening in and and coming to all of our 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 little events that we put on throughout the year you know especially all these virtual ones as well so um second big announcement that we made last week is that and this has been a dream of mine for a while now is that we just launched two not one but two new podcast shows on the SNN Net Podcast Network, and so this is this is really cool for me. And so, just wanted to let you all know uh, who listen in here, the two new shows that you can actually now go and subscribe to, both on Podbean and on Apple, Spotify coming soon, uh, is R. Excuse me, R. Uh, avoiding the crowd with Maj Swaydan and in the market trenches with Gary Reby and Eric Fure. Now, the reason we I, I wanted to uh, start with these two shows is that these two shows actually answer some of the main feedback that I get on Planet Microcap. You know, the first one being is that everyone loves to hear more, uh, more uh, me talking with my guests about various stock ideas and, and me asking about latest uh, stock picks. You know, that's just not something that I do on here. So, you know, I thought why not go to somebody who I highly respect in the field who's one of the best in the game been doing it over 30 years and that's Maj Swaydan so Maj on a weekly basis is going to be going through with you uh, some of his, his his thoughts his insights as well as maybe talking about a few ideas uh, in the small micro nano cap space especially the ones that really aren't seen 
That's why we call it avoiding the crowd, because he's going after ideas that uh, aren't covered by institutions, maybe have low, uh, have no research coverage whatsoever, and uh, are kind of flying under the radar that might be good quality ideas that, you know, could be game-changing for your portfolio. So definitely go and check that out at avoidingthecrowd.podbean.com. Our other show that we just launched is called In the Market Trenches with Gary Reby and Eric Fure. Um, you know, I, there, I met Gary a long time ago at, at an investor event. And, you know, the, the thing that I, I really loved when we, when we had a chat with me, Gary and Eric is that I could feel that they just had a ton of stories to share. You know, there's, they've been at this game for a long time. And one of the main feedback things that I get is that you want to hear more stories and more ways in which that you can learn uh, from other investors that, you know, uh, that were more anecdotal as opposed to just esoteric, you know, this is my strategy, which has its place. But I thought that this would be a great opportunity to launch a show talking about um, uh, various moments in time. And, and understand why investors maybe found a certain idea, why they invested in it, and then even why they got out when they did. So on a weekly basis, Gary and Eric are going to be going through some of their war stories, as well as having a few guests on to talk about their war stories. We just had on episode three, uh, Peter Rabover from Artco Capital, and that, that was a lot of fun. So expect a lot more of that. And actually, one really cool thing that we're going to be doing on that show as well is inviting students on to pitch Gary and Eric their stock ideas. And Gary and Eric are going to try and poke holes in their theses. So definitely go check that out at inthemarkettrenches.podbean.com. And like I said, you can find both of these new shows on Apple and on Spotify and Stitcher, all those other ones very, very shortly. Now to business. For this episode of the Planet Microcap podcast, I spoke with Mezut Elial Tiaglu. He is the chief investment officer of the Talis Turkey Value Fund LP. I was introduced to Mezut by Matthew Peterson, a recent guest on our show, and I jumped at the opportunity to learn more about the investing landscape in Turkey. In this interview, Mezut provides an overview about what the capital markets have been like in Turkey. In fact, he was the first financial analyst in Turkey since the establishment of the Istanbul Stock Exchange. We also have an open conversation about how investors should assess investing in Turkey from a geopolitical and social perspective. And I really appreciate Mezut's willingness to address some of these very difficult uh, to discuss topics. Um, I hope you enjoy my chat with Mezut Elial Tiaglu as he describes his hunt for value in Turkey. So thank you again for tuning in to episode 134 of the Planet Microcap podcast. Without further ado, please enjoy my interview with Mezut Elial Tiaglu. Joining me today, this is going to be a really fascinating interview. Uh, joining me is Mezut and I, real quick, I, I am apologizing now if I if I butcher your last name, but I'm doing my best. Uh, it, uh, today I have Mezut Elal Tiaglu. He is the co-founder and Turkey investment officer for Talis Capital LLC. Mezut, welcome to the Planet Microcap podcast. How are you doing? Oh, thank you. I'm well. Uh, thank you for having me today. It's great to have you on. So we were introduced uh, via Matthew Peterson, who uh, you co-founded Talis Capital with, 
And it's a, it's a really fascinating, interesting, uh, not only strategy, but just really where your focus is, which is Turkey and the Istanbul Stock Exchange. But we, before we really get into all of that, you know, I'd love to start with your background and, and when and where did your passion for investing begin? Uh, sure, Robert. Uh, you know, I was born and raised in Turkey and uh, up until uh, my uh, university years, uh, I was uh, in Turkey and, and as a teenager, uh, I was so much research oriented person and uh, my teenage years were the 1980s and during those times there was no internet and the only connection with the real world was to write letters to companies, ask information, ask booklets from them, catalogs, annual reports from many, many different uh, companies. So, so I, have, I have always this great passion to get connected with different people, with different companies. And that started, as I said, in my teenage years. Uh, and that brought me to understanding many, many different sectors and making comparisons with, the, uh, with different international companies, with comparing them with domestic Turkish companies. And, and I, based on all these, you know, uh, uh, information I collected, I, decided to study economics and finance and and I was uh, quite successful at the Turkish University entrance exams so I was in the top 100 out of about 1 million students participating in the Turkish entrance uh, university entrance exam and I was placed at the Turkish top university but certainly that was not enough for me so I was always so much interested in reaching the excellence and reaching uh, to uh, the most uh, detailed information, most uh, up-to-date uh, latest uh, developments. Uh, and uh, I was following the uh, globe. So I applied to University of Pennsylvania, the Wharton School, and, and they said, okay, we can you know, accept you as a transfer student you know, while you were studying at undergrad uh, degree in Istanbul at the Bosporus University. So uh, then I, you know, all of a sudden I jumped to the Wharton School and I graduated uh, as an undergrad uh, in 93 uh, with a degree in finance and management uh, from uh, the Wharton. And, and that, you know, that uh, high level of contact with the, you know, the best academia, with the, you know, highly interesting student body, local and uh, international uh, people and great connection with the business world. And I combined that with my all the background uh, coming from emerging market. And that led me to, to focus on the uh, more research and, and that was only available uh, through, through uh, going into uh, the stock market and, and uh, I was, you know, uh, after graduation, uh, started with Bankers Trust as a research analyst. And, and I was, I can tell you that I was one of the first equity analysts in Turkey, actually, uh, starting in 94. Uh, and, and from that time, I have covered the Turkish stock market in that nearly visited all of the listed companies. There are about 450 companies listed 
at the Istanbul Stock Exchange and, uh, and followed the market, followed the Turkish economy so closely. Uh, and from that position, you know, look, positioning in Turkey, I, I, I later on in my career from Bankers Trust, I moved to Deutsche Bank and later uh, at the end, I moved to uh, ABN Amro Asset Management. I was Chief Investment uh, Officer uh, with uh, ABN Amro uh, covering the EMEA market. Uh, and I was also part of their global emerging market investment uh, committee. So we were running about 2 billion uh, euro at, at that time. And that exposure gave me uh, to look at all of the global emerging markets uh, alongside uh, the Turkish market. And, and uh, all these, you know, uh, local knowledge and international knowledge, so much exposure uh, to different parts of the world, uh, especially uh, frontier markets, including uh, uh, Vietnam, some Chinese, China, Russia, Brazil, and Eastern European markets alongside the Turkish market. All these uh, uh, work experiences give me uh, so much insight. And, and uh, that's how I started actually, you know, so how, how I started and continued uh, my investment uh, uh, actually career. Wow, I mean, that, you know, it sounds like you were at kind of the forefront because I mean, how long? How long has when? When did the Istanbul Stock Exchange even start? You know, when? When was that launched? That's a that's a very interesting question, Robert. Actually, it was officially established in 1987, and I was at the exchange in 1988. Actually, so so you know, I I was, but 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 looking at the history of Istanbul and and it's a part of the Ottoman Empire, and and uh, at that time, you know, Istanbul has always been a major financial center, globally speaking. So, so we have a over-the-counter market going back to more than 100 years, uh, uh, looking at the history of Istanbul and Ottoman Empire. Uh, but uh, it was established officially established in uh, 1987. So what was that like being one of the first equity analysts in Turkey? I mean, that you said that you were one of the first ones back in 94. So if it was started back officially in, in 84 and you were there in 88, I mean, what, what was going, was there just no equity analysis at all? It was just kind of a free-for-all, like wild, wild west? I mean, what was it like? Exactly. Over-the-counter market was most based on the exchange of paper stocks on a par basis. So it was, you know, mostly nominal. Uh, valuation and when the stock exchange was officially established in 1987 and guess who came first to Turkey to invest so Mr. Mark Mobius arrived uh, in Istanbul in 1989 actually and I still today remember his landing at the Istanbul uh, Atatürk airport at that time it was a big news because you know the uh, big foreign investors are coming to Turkey and uh, uh, and you know, being trading from at par level, uh, the stock market all of a sudden from 1988 to until 1993 jumped about five folds. So uh, it was all the uh, starting of the accumulation of the first foreign investors uh, with the arrival of the Mr. Uh, Templeton, Mr. Mike Mobius actually at, the, at that time with the others actually. So, so, uh, so we, 
I also followed their investment style, how they, you know, which companies they were concentrating at that time, which companies, because those informations are always public. So when a foreign investor comes and buys a stock in Turkey, it's published officially. So, so, uh, so I also learned a lot uh, during those uh, years uh, from these uh, international investors. But as of today, as of today, I can tell you that uh, foreign investors are mostly tracking indexes. So, so it's becoming like, uh, you know, ETFs and index investing universe uh, going into emerging markets and, and all these foreigners just concentrating on a macro economic uh, uh, strategies and top-down approach. And they are totally missing uh, the value and the real opportunity uh, offered by this highly detailed bottom-up uh, approach, so-called value type of investing style. And uh, this is, you know, uh, what has changed since the beginning, at those times, okay, they were like so cheap, everything, they were investing uh, on a company specific basis. Uh, but as of today, I can tell, uh, just, uh, you know, paying so much uh, uh, high multiples for the liquidity uh, in the market and uh, forgetting all the uh, small and medium caps, uh, uh, and this is creating, and actually this is the reason why I started, you know, uh, this is the principal uh, uh, reason for uh, us to start uh, Talas Turkey Value Fund. Okay, so let, let's go down that road. I have so many follow-ups to everything that you just said, but let, let's, let's follow up real quick right there. So you just mentioned that because you were seeing so much value opportunities, on the Istanbul Stock Exchange, you know, you, Ewan and Matthew decided to co-found Talis Capital and Talis uh, Turkey Value Fund. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came about? Uh, well, uh, I met uh, Matthew at a value investment conference uh, organized uh, by a well-known uh, value investor, uh, hedge fund manager, uh, Guy Spears, in uh, Kloster, Switzerland. And, and it was, you know, uh, our, our investment style or investment philosophy uh, were, were so much similar and, and we were looking for really uh, uh, the uh, long-term opportunities uh, available at very low multiples uh, and, and, and looking so much deep into these stocks and buying them and holding them for a long time actually so so that has led us to you know uh, again the changing structure of going the in the the flow of funds uh, changing structure of the flow of funds into emerging markets and the creation of uh, the value gap as a result of this uh, uh, you know sizable uh, important change of uh, uh, money flow direction let us to uh, set up this structure actually so okay so i want to hit back on one one comment you made or, or really it's, it's a question based on some of what you said is so let's break down the istanbul stock exchange and you know the I, i've interviewed a few companies maybe it was maybe just one or two 
that are, are either US or Canadian based or domiciled companies are listed on those exchanges. But they, they were, I, I think one of them was a mining company. They had a mining mine that they were drilling or doing exploration in Turkey. You know, so what, what's the main, I guess, sector? Where, where, where is it all weighted? You know, you said there's about 400 to 450 stocks listed. You know, what, what's that breakdown of sectors there? Well, uh, I mean, uh, there are about uh, 16 or 17 sectors available, uh, you know, listed at the Istanbul Stock Exchange. Well, uh, first of all, uh, let me start from here, actually. When you look at uh, the Turkish economy, okay, it's a G20 country. So it's a top 20 economy, one of the top 20. So it's the actually uh, 18th largest economy in the world as of today. So, so looking at from this and looking at the structure of the Turkish economy. So when we talk about Turkey and Turkey, what we are really looking at, what we are looking is, there is a sizable domestic market, like 83 million people. So this is a sizable market. And looking at the very strategic, one of the most important top geopolitical important locations, the key location of Turkey, connecting East and West in, in Eurasia. So looking at this, Turkey has very strong trade links with the EU, with the Middle East, with Central Asia and Russia, and with Africa, actually. So, so looking at just the global map, you can easily recognize the location of, the sizable uh, location of Turkey and its surrounding region. And, and, and this is important, actually, uh, Robert. So, so uh, besides the domestic, sizable domestic economy, Turkish economy is closely linked with the EU, EU European economy. So since 1995, Turkey is in full customs union. Uh, it's a free trade agreement between, there is a free trade agreement between EU and Turkey. So what does this mean is that any goods and services produced in Turkey can, you know, be exported, can go without any barriers into the EU and also their production and services comes without any barriers to Turkey. So what does this mean is that Turkish companies really compete with the most efficient companies in the world that are located in the EU. So, so uh, for the Turkish companies and Turkish economy to develop, we have to compete actually for all of, in, in all of these sectors. Otherwise they cannot really survive uh, actually. So, so uh, this is, you know, not really easily recognized. You know, people invest in many different parts of the world but we have to really understand the, this deep connections, trade connections between the countries and the trade barriers if there is available. If there is like, let's say local economy so much protected and there are high margins of the companies because of these entry barriers. And what happens if those entry barriers all of a sudden removed? And what happens to those countries economy or stocks? going forward if they totally you know uh, opens to free trade so so 
these are so much uh, details actually and and i can tell you this uh, turkish companies you know uh, are operating in an environment with the most cost efficient with the most productive and most innovative uh, uh, you know means actually and and today as of today there are several sectors that turkey has significant competitive edge and some turkish companies are currently number one number two or in the top 10 in the eu so these are not easily recognized i can tell you from outside uh, so so uh, so i mean what are these sectors i can tell you they say automotive sector and details part of the automotive sector uh, white goods sector uh, when it comes to logistics and all of the uh, uh, intermediate goods uh, transfer uh, uh, and supply sector i mean i can tell you just as to summarize things once the former uh, british prime minister mr tony blair visited turkey he said that he he's, when he, he looks at turkey mr tony blair said that he sees a small china in europe so this actually just summarizes the strong manufacturing uh, capacity of Turkey and a very competitive uh, structure in every sector, I can tell you. You can find uh, a, a you know, medium-sized, uh, some large-sized uh, companies that really compete on uh, a global uh, basis, uh, I can tell you. So I, I want to I go somewhere because I think for, as, as a U.S. citizen, I'm, I'm sure a lot of my audience members are hearing this right now, are probably thinking, okay, you know, he's making a compelling case. I'm, I'm hearing this out. It's a, it's a G20 company, but yet still technically an emerging market for some reason. So trying to understand that value gap there. But there must, there's, there's more to break down within that gap because I'm sure... You know, there must be so many myths or, or, or th things that people think about when it comes to Turkey as to maybe why they stay away, you know, or uh, look at the geopolitical risk. Uh, I mean, issues with freedom, you know, I mean, I, I, if you don't mind going there, I, I'd, I'd just be curious what you would say to some of those folks that would be like, hey, you know, this is all very interesting, Mesut, but, you know, there's these other, um, you know, geopolitical risks potential freedom risks, you know, what, what do you say to them? Uh, well, uh, you know, uh, what I can tell is that uh, uh, you know, it's, the price is very important. I mean, okay, there are, there are some issues I can tell, uh, but let's not forget that Turkey is a NATO member for uh, about uh, 65 years. I can tell. So, so Turkey has been a member of the West, Western bloc, uh, since the uh, Korean War, actually. So, so Turkey uh, sent the second largest army to Korea after the U.S. So, I mean, and Turkey today is a is an associate member of the EU. So we are in you know long-term uh, membership negotiations. I mean, okay. I understand some of the issues, some of the uh, concerns, but uh, look at the current size of foreign investments in Turkey. Uh, as of today, uh, 
foreign institutional investors invested about uh, 55 billion dollars in Turkish stocks uh, and and uh, and there is unbreakable link between Turkey and the West and it is in the interest of both sides to keep this strong relationships going forward so so I mean it's always come to a point to see where, where I mean like there is a you know empty side of the cup and there is a full you know half full half empty size of the cup so where would you look at so I mean and and I can tell you this at the start of my uh, earlier you know investment career research career this is also one of the main mistakes that I was doing like being so much afraid uh, when the prices the valuation is right so as of today Turkish market is valued about 6p 5 to 6p level so but about three four years ago Turkish market was valued about 10 to 11 uh, p level so because all of the devaluation that took place in 2018 uh, there is this much you know uh, the current uh, valuation gap occurred but uh, before this currency you know uh, uh, devaluation uh, a crisis in 2008 uh, this valuation was at par with other emerging markets so so uh, it's it's important uh, to see the opportunity and and you know invest for the long term and uh, see the uh, potential this unbreakable uh, 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 link between west and the uh, turkish turkish republic of turkey and and continuation of this and uh, that's that's actually uh, uh, that's that's important to recognize to start with uh, first you have to trust the long term potential uh, of the uh, uh, country and and I can't, you know, imagine otherwise. Uh, given the, uh, again, as I just uh, repeat myself, uh, the population, the the uh, complexity or complexity of the economy and the size, and it's very strong link uh, with the region and with the globe. Uh, it's it's unthinkable that the Turkish economy cannot grow, but. But it all depends how much growth can we expect from Turkish economy. So, so the average growth potential of uh, Turkey is about five percent as of today. So, so when you look at GDP growth, it's about five percent average. But when Turkish economy grows above five percent, let's say just before the devaluation in 19, uh, uh, 2017, Turkish uh, economy was growing even in one quarter more than the Chinese economy. So on a quarterly basis in the year 2017, Turkish economy grew like 8.5%. So, so when you see overheating in emerging markets in any, any country, you have to be careful at that time. So what happened was the overreaction uh, and, and uh, sell off uh, uh, as a result of that. Uh, and and uh, I see this as an important opportunity to to enter invest long term in the Turkish mar uh, markets. 
and and looking at the very specific stocks you know uh, as of today i can talk uh, that uh, one of our portfolio investments is coca-cola eurasia uh, this is a coke coca-cola coke bottler it's the uh, sixth largest uh, coke bottler coca-cola bottler in the coke system and it covers turkey all of the central asia kazakhstan azerbaijan and this company also controls pakistan and iraq and jordan in the middle east actually so so it's a it's a this company is not only selling 83 million of turkish population but it's actually selling to 400 million population about 200 million in, being in pakistan so so this company uh, as I said, is one of our investments currently valued at about uh, 6p level. So, and and in this company, Coca-Cola International Atlanta is a shareholder as well. So it's a joint venture company. So we have to uh, also see the uh, strong corporate governance embedded in the structure of the company. So let's compare this company with other peer group Coke bottlers. Let's say there is one company in Europe, it uh, covers the Eastern Europe, Russia, some of Africa uh, countries, and it's currently valued at about 22p level. So, so I mean, you can see the valuation gap, and you can see the uh, uh, similar companies doing similar, uh, the same product, and, and also, it's not. It's, it's it's very easy to see which one offers the most upside potential growth opportunity, being Iraq, Pakistan, Central Asia, and Turkey. You know, all these countries' uh, uh, coke consumption is growing on average about 12 percent higher, and uh, it's, it's 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 I think not so difficult uh, to see the potential, but again, it comes down to uh, trusting long term to the uh, growth potential of Turkey. So it, it, it's, and I, I appreciate you answering the question, you know, because it, it's, I'm sure you get it all the time from non Turkish investors who, you know, see the opportunity, see this value gap, and, and just want to get a better understanding. Because really, at the end of the day, you know, let's say even if you had a problem with, you know, uh, what what is perceived as sometimes corruption or and it's a new exchange i mean i i understand like that can happen because it's also a new exchange not just because of where it is you know but at the same time you know you're you're born and bred from turkey like what are you going to do not support your country that you love and grew up in and want to see flourish you know that's really what it sounds like coming from you when it when you say look yeah it's got its issues we want to do better more or less you know, but we've also had some validation from some huge multinational companies, you know, that are U.S. founded even that have operations in Turkey. So, you know, while, yes, there's still issues, you know, it, it's there. There is this flourishing system going on here. Am, am I kind of hitting on what you meant, what you meant to say there? I mean, Robert, you are right. Uh, actually, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, there are there are uh, of course uh, some uh, you know concerns and issues uh, regarding uh, these political uh, concerns, uh, but 
as a, I learned throughout my career, actually, to concentrate so much on deep value and, and to care less and tune out all these, you know, uh, so many other concerns, uh, you know, uh, that, that there are available. Because uh, at the end of the day, uh, for Turkish economy, I mean, it all comes to, down to this point. For an economy to grow, you, you cannot isolate yourself, you know. You have to stay in close alliance with, with global powers and global uh, players. Uh, there is no other way that for a country to develop and create jobs and create uh, opportunities for its young population. And, and, and when it comes to Turkey, uh, it's, it's a very young country, demographics, uh, which is also one of the reasons uh, for uh, this uh, huge growth potential of the economy, this young demographics of the uh, country. So, so uh, it is important to con uh, you know, uh, pay attention uh, as well uh, to uh, these fu very fundamental uh, long-term, uh, 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 you know, uh, long-term uh, parameters, yeah. parameters of the uh, country. So, so uh, uh, I missed so many, so many opportunities in the past, just focusing on this politics or some macro issues or whatever global geopolitical uh, concerns. Uh, during, as I said, during my earlier days of my career, and uh, what I can tell you is that uh, some of the investments that we have, uh, we have 13 investments uh, uh, in our fund, and and most of these companies have a history of at least 50 years. So so you know they have a long history of establishment being you know. Uh, a market leader in their sectors and also the regional players uh, and uh, and these companies uh, have gone through so many different crises in the past 50 years even worse i can tell you and 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 when you look at uh, their uh, you know accumulation of us dollar based equity for their shareholders it's sizable, it's so much sizable, but this is not a straight line. I agree, there, are, uh, there will be so much volatility going forward. Uh, and as I said, uh, to avoid some of this volatility uh, uh, going uh, into the investment process, to avoid some of the volatility, I am so careful uh, to, to uh, uh, keep the exposure uh, 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 limited when there is overheating in the Turkish economy. So, so as of today, we are just coming out out of a major currency crisis, and the growth started back. So, uh, so uh, in the Turkish economy, and uh, uh, the, it's always highly beneficial to come and invest just after such major currency crisis in emerging markets. So, so it's always repeats itself. 
So as I said, the long-term average growth rate is about 5.5%, and it may go up to about 8-9% growth level. So, so we are now positioned, and 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 I expect at least to double the value in our investments going forward until uh, the uh, overheating uh, uh, comes and 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 then we will consider uh, you know what to do in a you know because any investment decision in emerging markets should combine actually with the bottom up approach and also the some uh, macro macro parameters like gdp growth like fx uh, rate level like inflation uh, level and uh, all these uh, have to be included as well so uh, uh, as of today there is opportunity uh, for uh, to invest uh, uh, based on uh, all the historical uh, evidence and uh, and my close connection with the companies what i uh, see them doing every day actually uh, their performance uh, and and the recovery we are coming out of uh, uh, from this pandemic related uh, closure of the uh, economy in uh, april and may so uh, uh, i can tell you that there is a jump start of growth in turkish economy in june uh, uh, that we are witnessing uh, so uh, so this is uh, the situation here. Got it. So, so then what, what would you say is your investing process? So let's say you've identified a company that meets some of your criteria. Uh, you know, what, what do you go, how do you, how do you then bring them into the portfolio? What, how, how do you, how do you think about portfolio sizing and all that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, uh, well, first of all, first of all, uh, for uh, the companies that we can invest, uh these companies uh have the potential of at least minimum uh 10 year of growth potential i mean we have to uh, see this uh, strong uh, uh growth uh in in the in the company and also to do this the company must have strong competitive advantage and and to gain market share from uh european part from other european competitors or from other global competitors so and and also the corporate governance issues are so important and the valuation as well so so uh as i said uh there are about 450 companies that's the you know investment universe but from that 400 uh, 400 uh, plus companies uh, I select about 75 to 100 uh, companies based on the valuation and integrity screen. So, so all these companies uh, uh, are, are uh, you know, evaluated uh, and there is a short list of about 75 to 100. And from that uh, 75 to 100, I have an investment uh, portfolio of about 10 to 15 uh, companies actually so uh, what happens is that uh, from time to time there are some cyclical companies let's say we have an investment in a local uh, uh, 
uh, Volks, Volkswagen distribution uh, dealership uh, in Turkey, uh, it's, it's called uh, Doğuş Automotive. Uh, we still have the position. And, and that company was substantially beaten down during this currency crisis period. And its share price came down from $800 million. You know, its market cap came down from $800 million to just about $150 million. You know, this was, this just happened in a one and a half year period, actually. And, and as, as I said, we are following the macro developments and micro uh, situations. And when I invested in the company at about 150, 180 million dollars, there was no light at that at the end of the tunnel. I can tell you, you know. So when you see a light at the end of the tunnel, the value would be today's value, which is about 600 million dollars actually. So it went up by four times in a period of like eight eight months. So, so, but where does this trust come from? You know, I, as I said, I don't see a, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel. What, what do I see then? I see the long-term potential and sooner or later, uh, the normalization of the economy, uh, you know, that's, that's the differentiating factor actually. So, so, and when, when the others are just fleeing out of the market, it's, you know, just the right opportunity, actually. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's this actually simple, Robert, and, and, but it's also so difficult because which companies you can trust uh, and uh, all those, companies must have some hidden assets as well. You know, when I was investing in this uh, uh, Volkswagen uh, dealership network in Turkey, the company is, ha had, had a very important hidden asset value, uh, more than the market cap of the company actually. And it was the steady flow of income coming from uh, auto ins inspection business. So, so they, were, uh, they had a 20% stake in a countrywide auto inspection business. And on an annual basis, that, uh, that was you know, uh, a period of 10 years uh, was remaining in the term structure of that uh, uh, business. And, and I was able to see that for the coming 10 years, all the cash flow coming from uh, the uh, uh, auto inspection business, even the company sells zero cars, Volkswagen, Porsche, all the, uh, you know, uh, Audi, whatever, was more than the market cap. So, I mean, trying to understand all these details plays so much importance. So, Mesut, I, I, I want to follow up also, you know, we're talking about the Turkish economy, you know, the types of investments and criteria that you're looking for and, and companies that are Turkish companies. You know, again, we talked about some of uh, the myths or some of the things that are concerning to investors still, you know, about um, geopolitical risk, political risks, you know, the idea that there might be some corruption involved. But, you know, if, if you're just looking at the companies themselves, as you've, you've mentioned, these are companies that have 
you know, have long historical uh, life cycles. They've been around for a long time. You know, for, from your perspective, how do you evaluate ESG and impact investing? You know, how, how do you incorporate that into your strategy? Uh, in our uh, uh, universe, in the Turkish equities market, uh, uh, we, we look at uh, companies uh, from uh, all these uh, uh, responsible, uh, uh, you know, socially responsible, environmentally responsible uh, aspects. And, and all of these companies actually publish sustainability reports. And, and in these sustainability reports, they uh, detail their uh, approach uh, related with, uh, you know, uh, uh, this uh, impact, social impact, environmental impact, and uh, all these uh, uh, related uh, uh, issues uh, and, and how they will adapt on a long-term uh, durable basis, uh, actually. So, uh, I would like to tell uh, to investors that Turkey has adopted adopted most most of the EU uh, regulations uh, actually, and and even the uh, securities uh, you know regulations securities laws of Turkey are so much in, conf in in conformity with the EU standards as of today. So so uh, it's an important benchmark for the in investors uh, to consider when they are coming to Turkey. So, so it's a, I mean, that's, that's a, we, we are on the way to become a member of the EU uh, uh, in the long run. But as of today, what I can tell that uh, most of the uh, important regulations of the EU are, are adopted uh, and uh, and uh, and it there are so many rules and uh, 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 regulations uh, protecting the minority rights and uh, also uh, this uh, uh, environmental issues and all other uh, related eu concerns and long term sustainability related uh, parameters robert so then what investing experience would you say impacted your career the most uh, Robert, uh, well, there are a few uh, uh, important issues actually. You know, that level of, of the company, uh, I still see some local people who call themselves as worry investors and, and doesn't pay much attention to the size of the debt that in a company. So, so I, I learned so much that a strong balance sheet is very important and and you know predictable cash flow is so much important uh, actually so so and I, again uh, uh, besides all this uh, uh, that uh, uh, i can tell you know the fear factor and tuning out all these you know uh, all these political geopolitical whatever concerns just really concentrating on the long-term value of these companies uh, 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 and uh, trusting in the sooner or later uh, coming recovery of the economy so uh, I, I think uh, i learned 
these these lessons, uh, you know, uh, uh, that I can share with you. Yeah, please, please do. Because actually, my next question I, I usually end each interview with is, you know, what advice do you have then for investors, let's say, considering investing in a company listed on the Istanbul Stock Exchange or a Turkish based company? Well, uh, as I try to explain, I mean, uh, it's, you know, a size of an economy, size of a, uh, 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 you know, the relationship of an economy with, with the rest of uh, the region and, uh, and, and it's standing in the global uh, market is, is very important. So, so uh, I mean, investors actually uh, should pay attention, in my opinion, to, to this important uh, element so when a country is currently trading about let's say six p level there must be kind of an opportunity in that country i mean i mean i just publishing tomorrow the second quarter letter and i look at the past one year devaluation of several emerging markets and comparing it their p level and what I see is that, let's say, look at Brazil, the past one year devaluation uh, as of end of June 30th is about 30% against US dollar, but the country is trading about 12 P level, okay? And look at, let's say India, the country is trading about 22 P level and just past one year devaluation is about 9%. So. You know, because when you are investing in emerging markets, you are investing in a local currency as well. So, I mean, look at how much multiple you are paying and how much devaluation you can actually uh, face in a, in a one year, last one year period. So, and look at, look at, at the Turkish uh, devaluation is about 14% and 6% PE level. So it seems to me that the the this pandemic the COVID-19 was an important stress test for the Turkish economy because it was oversold even before the COVID-19 related pandemic uh, you know sell-off and with the sell-off Turkish market fell about uh, 40 40 percent something but in the second quarter it gained more than half of this and and in, in our fund, in our fund, as a long-term investor in our portfolio, I do not buy a, a, and sell stocks. I hold long-term. So, so there was no transaction in the second quarter, uh, actually. And during this period, the fund gained 35, 31%, actually after the you know uh, the uh, uh, pandemic related sell off in in march so right. this shows to me that that we it shows that that the variations are already at bottom and even this pandemic related sell off within our portfolio was easily absorbed and recovered actually so so i mean uh, so uh, as I 
I can I I take I take this you know all these uh, 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 market slopes as a stress test, and and it's important to recognize that the recovery strength and the time of recovery period after the sell-off and shows actually the embedded value available in the market after all these uh, stress tests actually. So this is just a hint for, in my opinion, to the investors looking, uh, considering to invest in Turkey. Absolutely. Well, with that, where can my audience go and find more information about you and Talis Capital? Well, uh, investors can uh, uh, look into our uh, website. It's uh, talascapital.com uh, and uh, reach uh, to us uh, uh, through uh, the, uh, the uh, information request from our fund. All right. Well, Mezu, thank you so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate it. And uh, continue to stay safe. Good luck. And uh, I look forward to speaking again soon. Thank you. Thank you.